U.S. Navy History arriving. Welcome back to the U.S. Navy History Podcast. I am Dale, and I am joined once again by the spooky Ristar. <laughs> That's me. That was my like ghost a, impression. That sounded more like a monkey. It was a ghost monkey. The the scariest of all. All right. Well, this is going to be our final spooky episode. We're going to be talking about the submarines. Yeah, I'm excited about that. All right. So I take it you're ready to get underway. Well, yes. As a matter of fact, I've been sitting here uh, the past week waiting to continue this conversation. I've made a bit of a mess. Next time, go ahead and, you know, go do stuff and just come back at the scheduled recording time. You don't have to sit okay. in this chair the entire time. Oh, okay, cool. Well, I'm dedicated. What can I say? Highly motivated, highly dedicated. Bingo. You got it. All right. All right. Let's do it. All right. So let's talk a little bit about submarines and why they might be a unique environment for creating ghost stories and ghost sightings and things of that nature. So first and foremost, submarines are known for being very tight quartered. Crew members often work and live in very, very confined spaces. So their sleeping quarters, their workstations, all the passageways. So, you know, the close quarters can create a sense of intimacy among crew. They are also isolated since they're designed, especially nowadays, for extended underwater missions. They are completely isolated from the outside world. So this isolation can last for weeks or months, and that means communication with the service is limited. The biggest reason is for to prevent detection. Mm-hmm. So, of course, they are also very self-contained. They carry all their supplies of food, water, and oxygen, and they have to carefully manage these resources. So, you know, they don't run out of something while on their mission. Oh, right. Also, submarines have to be very quiet to avoid detection. So this means a lot of times the crew members have to communicate using hand signals or, you know, very quiet, very coordinated verbal commands. In addition, the submarines have very wide, complex systems to first, you know, for navigation, propulsion, weaponry, and their life support. Oh, yeah, I was going to say survival, I'm sure, is uh, pr pretty near the top. Yeah, so, you know, these guys are also highly trained to operate and maintain these systems. So all of this creates psychological challenges because of the extended periods of isolation confinement. It requires a certain mental fortitude to have to cope with the, you know, limited personal space and the inability to communicate with their loved one. I can see that. These boats also operate on a 24-7 schedule, which require physically demanding shifts, and it requires people to adapt to different sleeping patterns, which change frequently. That's got to be difficult. It's not easy. On the surface, on a carrier that we were on, we had different watch rotations within the shipyard. 
coming to the end of the shipyard period, we were actually on six-hour watches. They called them six and sixes, six on, six off. Oh, okay. We would do that for a few weeks. Yikes. That, uh, so I guess the expectation was during one of those sixes, maybe every other six off, you would eat, sleep, all that stuff, or what was the expectation? To stand your watch and to actually participate in the workday as well. So you had a six-hour watch, then you'd have six hours off watch, which would be filled with eating, sleeping, or working. Okay. Then you're back on watch again for another six hours, then back off for those things again. So it's, That's it's, cr- mm. Sounds like it takes some getting used to. Yeah. Yeah, that's a polite way to say that. <laughs> Underway, it would be a little bit better. It would be five and dimes, we called it. Five-hour watches with ten hours between Okay, that's better. Now, I don't know what the watch schedule looks like on a submarine, but it's probably something similar. Now, a lot of shared responsibilities happen on a submarine as well. Because they have limited space, which means limited crew, but all the jobs are still there. So, you know, you're going to be assigned one place, but you're also going to be assigned other tasks in different areas because they just don't have the manpower. But this kind of environment does help foster a strong sense of teamwork and camaraderie with the crew, which is, you know, a good benefit, I would say. I could see that. I mean, you're you're working in close quarters, and you do everything together, so you just kind of become a unit. Yeah. Now, of course, safety is a top priority. So these crew are trained very, very well to respond to emergencies and pretty much anything that can and will happen on a submarine deployment. So, of course, all these guys have a high level of proficiency because of, you know, being only able to rely on themselves. I mean, yeah, absolutely. You can't. Submarine life seems like the most, I wouldn't say the most difficult, but just the most isolating of all the naval vessels. And so all the challenges that come with that, for someone who uh, is trying to get better at the whole uh, social connection thing that 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 is uh sounds like the most challenging vessel for me. Yeah, but it will very quickly make you very adaptable and resourceful. Definitely, yes, I could see that. So, a little bit more about the psychological and emotional toll of the, all of this. Uh, the extended periods of isolation and tight confines of the boat can a sense of confinement and claustrophobia which adds heightened stress and anxiety because you can't go anywhere you can't even go out on deck and see the sky yeah that's and there's no windows oh yeah i certainly hope not it would be it's not a cruise ship so at least with you know astronauts they can at least go and look out a window yeah submarine submariners can't even do that Wow. Yep. Um, I'm going to chalk that up to terrifying. Uh, okay. Personally speaking, personally. There's also sleep deprivation because of the watch schedules. Even under normal service fleet, 
operations, you know, sleep deprivation can kick in quite easily, especially depending on where your department is. Uh-huh. Like on a carrier, if you're in the uh, air ops, if you're running sorties 24-7, you're not doing much sleeping. Yeah, that's for sure. Golly. That would be, I mean, so loud, right? Yeah. Um, There's also, because of the type of missions that submariners partake in, they have a constant need for vigilance, which adds stress because they have to be alert and responsive to any potential threats because they're always being hunted. Yeah, that would not be great. And, of course, the communication. You cannot communicate as much with your loved ones. You don't know what's going on a lot of times in the world. So the this lack of communication can contribute to feelings of isolation and homesickness. Uh-huh. Some submariners have reported experiencing confinement stress syndrome, which has the symptoms of anxiety, irritability, and even hallucinations. Hmm. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, you're kind of in the same environment for an extended time. Everything starts looking the same. There's not really a change. You're under a lot of stress. Yeah. And sleep may or may not be consistent. I could definitely see that. So submariners, they develop different coping mechanisms. And, you know, because of the nature of their missions, a lot of times these are things like storytelling. And when you start doing storytelling, you start creating myths and legends about the environment you're in. I see where you're going with this. Ah, now. I will. We are talking about ghosts. Right. Submariners also sometimes experience sleep paralysis. And vivid hallucinations. What is sleep paralysis? Well, all right. I'm not a doctor. Okay. So. I think we can all agree on that. Okay. So a basic explanation for the layperson is it is a feeling of being awake but not being able to move or speak. Oh. This normally happens when waking up or falling asleep. It could be quite terrifying. Yeah, definitely. I had something similar happen to me once, very short-lived, though. Uh, I heard a noise. I was dead asleep, heard a noise in the living room. Jumped out as quickly as I could to run at it, but uh, failed to realize my legs were not working. And then I fell flat on my face. But then moments later, my legs started working again. But I think my body was like, dude, we were sleeping. What, What are you doing? Uh, it only happened the one time, uh, so fear not, listeners. I don't know if that would be sleep paralysis. That would be more, oops, I shouldn't have done that so fast. Yeah, that's the story of my life, man. Yeah. So now that you know about the different challenges that submariners face, let's talk about some specific submarines. Okay. So we're going to start with the USS Thrasher, SSN. She was part of the U.S. Navy submarine fleet designed for deep sea missions and classified as a fast attack submarine. She was commissioned in 1961 and considered one of the most advanced submarines of its time. 
She had cutting-edge technology and nuclear propulsion systems. Whoa. On April 10th, 1963, she set sail from Portsmouth Naval Shipyard in Kittery, Maine, for a routine deep diving test mission in the North Atlantic Ocean. She was accompanied by the USS Skylark ASR-20, which is or was a submarine rescue vessel. Now, unfortunately, once she started her dive, she never resurfaced. On the morning of April 10th, all contact with the submarine was lost. A massive search and rescue operation was immediately launched. They had a rescue vessel right there. But unfortunately, the numerous ships and aircraft that were participating in the search was futile. Yeah, that's awful. She went down with her entire crew complement of 129. Ooh. So, of course, an investigation is launched. And they eventually determined that a pipe failed and caused seawater to leak into the... This led to a loss of power, and the this created a cascade of failures. Loss of buoyancy. Yeah. If you don't have buoyancy, you can't resurface, and it ended up imploding the submarine. Uh, that's awful. Yeah. The, it did lead to significant changes in submarine safety and design, which includes improved emergency systems, depth control, and safety protocols. And it caused the Navy to approach submarine operations in a much different way. Ah. So that's a lot of folks that uh, went down with the ship. Yeah. I'm guessing maybe some of their spirits have visited other vessels. Is that what we're uh, implying? Well, or am I jumping ahead? I tend to do to do that. Well, this tragedy had more of a emotional impact, which gave rise to reports of apparitions and eerie occurrences on other submarines. Okay. So because of this, there was a bunch of grief because, you know, they had just lost 129 people. Yeah, that's a lot of guys. It also raised awareness to dangers of the submarine service. Yeah. So, of course, we were talking about the coping mechanisms earlier. This creates reasons to create stories, myths, and legends, you know, to help cope with this loss. So, of course, stories will be made for the thrasher. That's interesting. I guess, as we've kind of gone through various naval history, this isn't uncommon. So it's just, but for some reason, it just seems very modern bringing it to the submarine for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. So, you know, people hearing of what happened to the Thrasher, they might be like, in operating in that area, they're like, ooh, I hear something. Could that be one of the Thrasher's crew? Or they hear a big bang. Ooh. Is that an implosion? Oh, gosh. Ugh. So let's go to the USS Queenfish, SSN651. This boat has a history of unexplained and strange phenomena. 
possibly because of stories handed down about the crasher. So crew members on the Queen Fish have reported hearing strange and eerie whispers in combined spaces of the boat, particularly in the quiet moments during late night watches. These whispers are often described as indistinct and unintelligible, which of course is going to make you feel very uneasy. Absolutely. I would not want the night watch, knowing how ghosts are typically night owls. Well, the watch rotates, so you will be doing night watches. Yeah, I was going to say everything's negotiable, but maybe not. Oh, you don't have a choice. You are assigned the watch. I see. Some submariners have claimed to have seen apparitions of officers in old-style uniforms aboard the Queen Fish. This figure is often spotted in the control room or the bridge and is said to vanish when somebody comes up to talk to them. I can see that. Uh, lots of um, introverted ghosts. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> I'm doing something else. I don't want to, I didn't come here to talk. There has been reports of mysterious flickering lights in different areas of the boat. And when they go to hunt down the electrical issue, they find none. These lights are often described as having a eerie and almost rhythmic quality. That's, oh, I don't know. It's, it's giving me the creeps. Good. Crew members have reported cold spots. Even when their climate control is working correctly, they are described as distinct areas with a noticeable drop in temperature. So you're just walking down the P-way and all of a sudden you've got goosebumps because it got so cold. Uh, well, given the summer we just had and its blisteringly hot temperatures, that would be a welcome relief. Like I would have an open call for ghosts to hang out in my home. Really now? Okay. Well, they... they it's kind of like when you're looking for renters, you want to look for certain personalities. You don't just want anybody moving in. Uh, you know, if they're destructive or loud noises in the middle of the night, whispers can be manageable. You know, you just it's like a white noise machine, and so it's, it's it's like finding the right roommate. You know. So you're saying you want ghosts that bring their own air conditioning? Yes, in the summer. Well, what Winter? About... Eh, I don't know. It's it's more heating cost and. That seems like a lose-lose. I don't think they want to be there either. You never know. They might. Well, I'll tell you what. I'll see about, I'll see about uh, having an open invite on various newspapers. I don't know if ghosts use Craigslist. So we'll, we'll see what we can do. Okay. Crew members have reported unusual sounds like knocking, footsteps, and even faint music. Hmm. And, of course, when they try to track down the source of the, of the sound, they can't find it. It's, it's creepy. Again, though, I'm hoping, I'm hoping this is a result of the combination of stressors in submarine life as well as an inconsistent sleep schedule and uh, inability to go out on deck and see the sun, mm. but still creeped out. Submariners have claimed to have seen apparitions of crew members who have served on the Queenfish in the past. 
They describe them as transparent or shimmering, and they see them just going about their duties as if the they were still assigned to the boat. That's dedication. You know, that's what you want in a sailor. Not only are you going to do your job now well, but even in the next life, you're still on the job. Mm-hmm. So we actually have a story. It's described as folklore about okay. a specific event. So I'm going to read this verbatim. On a quiet and routine night aboard the USS Queenfish, several crew members were on duty in the control room. As they went about their tasks, they began to sense an unusual presence. They described a sudden drop in temperature, and the hairs on the back of their necks stood the sensation was accompanied by faint, whisper-like voices, which were difficult to understand, but seemed to be coming from a nearby corner of the control room. Startled, crew members looked in that direction, where they were astonished to see a transparent figure in a Navy uniform. The figure, believed to be that of a submariner, appeared to be going through the motions of operating the controls and monitoring the instruments, just as the crew members were doing. This apparition wore the uniform of a bygone era, and had a serene, focused expression. As they watched in awe, the ghostly submariner went about his duties, seemingly oblivious to the living crew members. His actions mirrored those of the crew as they managed the submarine's systems. This encounter lasted for several minutes before the apparition gradually faded away. Crew members who witnessed this encounter were left in a state of shock, unable to fully explain what they had experienced. They later learned that the ghostly submariner bore a striking resemblance to a crew member who had served on the USS Queenfish years earlier and had tragically lost his life during a mission. The ghostly submariner is believed to be a guardian spirit watching over the submarine and its crew. His apparitions continue to be reported by those who serve on the Queenfish, adding to this vessel's reputation. So i got a couple thoughts about that, but at the beginning of that story... I thought, how in the world does this ghost of a bygone era know the controls of this presumably advanced vessel? Unless the user interface has not changed in several decades. Uh, but then you, you kind of, at the end, it perfectly dovetailed into, oh yeah, he used to be on that ship. So then I'm like, okay, well then he knows what he's doing. But um, I was suspect and then relieved. But then the right after relief came... The anxiety of, there's a ghost. Gotcha. Nice. Okay. <laughs> I'm not alone. There's somebody out there listening going, what? Oh, in that order. So let's talk about the USS Scorpion, SSN-589. She was a skipjack fast attack submarine and commissioned in 1960. She was known for her advanced technology, high-speed and stealth capabilities. She was regularly used during the Cold War on intelligence-gathering missions. On May 21st, 1968, she departed from Rota, Spain, en route to her home port in Norfolk, Virginia. All right. She was captained by Captain Francis Slattery and had a crew of 99 officers and men. Now, unfortunately, she never arrived to Norfolk. Uh. When the contact was lost with the submarine, a massive search operation is launched to locate her, which involved ships, aircraft, and other submarines. 
It took nearly a month to find her wreckage on the ocean floor. She was found approximately 400 miles southwest of the Azores at a depth of over 9,000 feet. That is an amazing search operation because a month is a long time to search. And then the depths that you're talking about also just like open, open water as far as the eye can see. And you happen to find the wreckage of the submarine. That's amazing. Finding wreckage is not easy, even in today's day. Right. Yeah. Just there's so many places it could be. Plus, you also have currents and weather just moving right wreckages around while a boat or plane is sinking it can current can move the wreckage thousands or hundreds of miles before or th- even thousands of miles before she finally settles on the bottom yeah that's uh well that just all the more um kudos to those that did find this wreckage that's just seemingly an insurmountable task that they've accomplished Anyway, continue. They don't know what brought her down, but they do have a couple theories. One theory is that a torpedo on board could have accidentally exploded. Another one is that because it's the Cold War, there is some speculation that she was sunk by the Soviet Union. And then of course all the and of course the, all the technical malfunctions that as well. So, in the years following her sinking, there have been reports of ghostly encounters in the area of her wreckage. In 2000, a Russian submarine, the USS Kursk, sank in the Barrett Sea, which is a region far from where the USS Scorpion went down. Oh. After this tragedy, Russian sailors aboard other submarines reported eerie occurrences such as unexplained sounds and vibrations and even apparitions of sailors believed to be from the Kursk. That's nuts. There have been multiple reports from submarines of seeing phantom ships or submarines in the vicinity of the USS Scorpion's wreckage. Crew members have described encountering vessels that appear on sonar screens do not have any corresponding data of any known naval vessels. Normally, they just like, oh, this is just a sensor malfunction. But is it? Yeah, I don't know. I don't think it is. Other unusual... But I, I jump to conclusions a lot, so... Yeah. There are other unusual sonar readings, like the presence of underwater objects or vessels that shouldn't be there at all. It's like, oh, look, there's a blip, but I don't hear any biological sounds. There's uh-huh. nothing down there on the ocean floor. This place has been very well surveyed. What is that? It's freaky. That's what it is. I'll tell you that right now. Yeah. Uh, crew members on board other submarines in the vicinity have reported hearing unsettling and inexplicable sounds while submerged. These sounds are described as eerie moans, banging, and other noises like that. You know, people have always wondered, is this just natural phenomena? 
or is it ghosts from the USS Scorpion? I don't know. That's ay ay ay. That's that's freaky. As we do each of these episodes, I get progressively freaked out earlier in the episode. There are also unusual magnetic anomalies that affects navigation and communication systems. Sailors have reported experiencing unusual fluctuations in their instruments and electronic equipment passing through the region. Okay, that's um, weird. <laughs> um, we're going to talk about one more boat. It is going to be a German boat. Okay. This is a German World War One submarine. Wow. An OG submarine. Well, I this, guess not really. They had them. Anyway, go ahead. This is U-65. She was launched in 1916, and she's immediately plagued by mechanical problems. They said that the sub was jinxed, and it would never be able to complete a mission. And despite this, she was sent out on several missions during the war. During one mission she encountered a British ship and fired a torpedo at it. The torpedo missed its target, but it did hit a different British ship. Well, that's uh, lucky for them. When she tried to escape, she was pursued and was eventually forced to the surface. When the crew emerged from the sub, they were horrified to find that they had been pursued by a ghost ship. What? This ship is said to be an old Spanish galleon that had been lost at sea for centuries. Dude, that's... What was Spain's stance during World War I? Were they with the Central Powers or... Anyway, I should be able to recall my history a bit better. Uh, that's well, freaky. So, Spain remained neutral throughout World War I. Okay. Hmm. But I guess once you pass into the next life, you're not bound by uh, the alliances and uh, new neutrality statements of the living. So you could do whatever you want. And I can't imagine the speeds. You know, a galleon can travel so fast. A submarine, and maybe it's because it's an earlier submarine, can travel so fast. Being able to be caught and surfaced that seems uh, embarrassing. I mean, it's an old sailing vessel in a modern vessel time. Yeah. I guess you don't have as much mass to worry about, so maybe you can travel faster. I don't know. I might be applying the realities of physics to a situation that it doesn't apply. It's also a ghost ship, dude. Yeah, well, they can do whatever. Well, it's not over yet either. Oh? The ghost crew boards the U-boat. Just when you thought your day was bad enough. So the German crew was taken off the boat, off the sub, and the ghost, and the ghost crew took the submarine, and they disappeared. Submarine, ghost crew, everything. That's... <laughs> okay. That's crazy. <laughs> You gotta wonder if it's like, hey, what do we tell German high command um, about what happened? I mean, what happened was out there. 
do we say what happened or <laughs> where will we be committed? Yeah. It, I mean, the boat was plagued with difficulties in the first place. I mean, a couple other things that happened to her before she was lost. I mean, they had an exorcism on the boat for crying out loud. Actually held an exorcism. Like after this or during? Before. Yeah, that's that's not something you would do on a ship. I mean, I'm not as familiar with what is good luck and what is bad luck on a ship, but I'm assuming doing an exorcism probably doesn't give you uh, good juju. Well, they did the exorcism because during construction, the uh, uh, workers were killed when they were struck by a heavy girder okay. that fell off of a crane. Uh, during the testing, three crewmen became stranded in the engine room when the door got stuck or locked. They don't know which. And all three of them died of asphyxiation. Uh... And when crew members went down there to rescue them, they opened the door without any problems. That's okay. I can see what events led to, you know what? This ship needs an exorcism. Well, I mean, also during maneuvering with other U-boats, a auxiliary officer was swept overboard near the boat's propellers. Even though the ocean was reported to be calm, even glassy, which means no movement whatsoever. Hmm. The captain ordered the submarine to stop, and the submarine sank. It dropped to the bottom because of a crack in the forward ballast tank. She stayed there for 12 hours. Whoa. And then I assume they were rescued, or? It resurfaced by itself just before the crew died of asphyxiation. Just before, so they, oh my gosh. The entire crew also one time got sick from food poisoning. Okay. At least they think it's food poisoning. Two of them died from this. The entire crew was in the hospital. This is very, uh, I mean, we've heard some strange stories over the past several episodes. This is perhaps at the very top. So, yeah, exorcism. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this this needs to be a movie. I this the 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 travails of U-boat crew, what was it, 56, 64? 65. 65. Uh. SMU65. World War 1 German submarine. Or unless uh British intrigue and espionage is just at another level and just like, hey, this is what we're going to do to the Germans. And they just totally mess with him. I wouldn't put them past that. So modern submarines, ghostly counters are not as common. But they do happen occasionally. And, you know, they're going to continue to evolve because, you know, folklore, telling stories, just all of that. So current and former submariners share... There are different experiences of unexplained sights, sounds, and sensations. Uh, like on a modern nuclear-powered submarine, crew members report hearing soft, whispering voices in one of the P-ways. They are dis indistinct 
and seem to come from the shadows. Some crew members feel an eerie presence and believe it to be the ghostly manifestation of a former submariner. Several crew members, uh, while on patrol, deep underwater, encounter phantom footsteps. Uh, they're often heard when there's nobody there. Oh, man. I wonder if there's a, like a private detective or some kind of expert in shoes, an Al Bundy-esque person that could tell what type of shoe the person was wearing by the acoustics. Mm, maybe. I don't know. There are several occasions when crew members have described seeing shadowy figures in their birthing areas. They see them out of the corner of their eye and then vanish when they look directly at them. Uh, but, yeah. That, okay, that's just <laughs> weird. They also describe hearing mournful sounds coming through the hole. Not a lot of happy ghosts, except for maybe that faint music we heard about it. That could have been a peppy tune, but I'm guessing not based on the pattern. Yeah. All right. So I think, my friend, this is where we're going to leave it for the for our series on the hauntings on U.S. Navy facilities and vessels. Uh, thank goodness. I don't know how much more I can take of this uh, supernatural... Uh, creep out session i enjoy talking about it and learning about it but you know it affects me we're friends i can tell you this yeah you're, you're a big softy oh come on that's true so why don't you take us out y'all big softy you oh okay i will and wa watch me do it even in the midst of mental anguish from disturbing stories here we go uh, Being thank terrified. You. <laughs> thank you very much for listening to us, everyone. I uh, hope you enjoy these past several episodes. Um, if you'd like to contact us, you may let us know what you thought. Or maybe there's a story we didn't cover and you wanted to include it. Uh, you can email us at usnavyhistorypodcast at gmail.com. Uh, alternatively, you can use X Twitter. <laughs> That's what I'm going to call it from mm. now on. Way to go, Dale. Uh, the <laughs> handle is at USN History Pod. Uh, we also have a Discord server where you can chat interactively with not just us, but other folks on the server. Swap stories. Tell us, hey, I thought that was annoying when Christoph said this thing. And then everybody will laugh. It'll be great. Join us. Uh, you can also find us on YouTube and, uh, Listen to us there. Uh, wherever you listen, please feel free to leave a review. And, uh, you know, that means a lot to us. It means uh, you care enough to take the time to let us know what you think. And, yeah. So I think that's everything, Captain Dale. Sounds good to me. So we want to wish everybody a very spooky fair winds and following seas. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. See you later. U.S. Naval History Podcast. Departing. <laughs>